Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the movers and shakers of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Grow With Us is a podcast that highlights the work of In Tulsa and informs you about the exciting and innovating work being done around the city by its best and brightest. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. This week, we're in conversation with Naomi Sannon, Senior Program Manager, who will be chatting with me about the education technology space, the leadership crew at Tulsa Young Professionals Organization, and building innovation in Tulsa. Naomi, it's so good to have you on. It's so good to be here. I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this episode for a lot of reasons, because education is something that I have a little bit of a like background in just education or in my internships experience mm-hmm. that I had in college. And mm-hmm. it's really a space that my my whole family is like educators or started in the school system. So I, I really am kind of interested how we can or in the conversation that we're going to have about like the innovation in the space to kind of hopefully make it a better industry for all, which is really cool. Yeah, for sure. It's funny when I think about education, I always laugh when I think about it because I never wanted to be in education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just became a passion as I started working with kids. Yeah. And now it's, I love it. I can't imagine doing anything different yeah. besides education. That's so cool. I feel like it's a very high impact uh, industry, mm-hmm. which is yeah. which is for better and for worse, it gets some hot tempers, it gets yeah. some people really passionate about it in, in some good ways. Yeah, for sure. So Naomi, go ahead and introduce, you don't necessarily have to introduce yourself to me because I know you, but introduce yeah. yourself to the Grow With Us audience and kind of tell your story in whatever way you feel comfortable. Yeah, for sure. So originally from Boston, Mass, I came to Tulsa right before the pandemic, 2019. I was, I think it was in August. I was living in Boston, was very restless there. I mean, I started watching Transformation Church. I was like, hey, I think Tulsa would be a great place and started moving there. And then my brother, my younger brother, he, I was very hesitant. So it took me about, uh, well, maybe like six or seven months to be like, all right, I'm going to do it. Because he was like, I'll give you $2,000 if you actually move. And I I can't let down a bet. So I was like, you know what? Let's see. So I actually did. I put my resignation in at my job. And literally that Friday, packed up my um, space, packed up my car. And my mom came with me and I drove to Tulsa. I love it. Yeah. And got $2,000, of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. How have you enjoyed your Tulsa experience so far? I love it so far, honestly. It's just so funny. Boston... Boston's so huge. Like you need to know, you really need to be in with the in crowd. And mm-hmm. I, I like to say I was in with the in crowd in like the nonprofit space. So anyone who ran a nonprofit, I knew who they were. Yeah. But Tulsa here, literally, you can go up to the mayor. I think when I first um, moved here, I live on the south side of Tulsa, mm-hmm. um, and I saw the mayor. I was like, is it okay that he's not walking with security? Like <laughs> <laughs> because Mayor Benito in Boston always had security with him. Like you just couldn't yeah. approach him so quickly. So I just think it's so nice that you can, if there's an issue, you could just call up the mayor's office and be like, hey, I want to speak to my mayor to talk about this. And yeah. they'll actually listen. Yeah, they'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that action part. Huh? Yeah, the action part is hard for a lot of people, especially when you get down to the politics of everything. Mm-hmm. And we aren't here to talk about politics. Yeah, we are for definitely sure. here. But I think that we can talk about education, which is definitely a highly yeah. politicized industry. But I think we're going to zoom a little bit out and just talk about a little more of kind of our both of our interest in education because I think we share a lot of commonality in that. But kind of tell me about how your interest in the education space started for your professional career. 
So I was working at a camp in California, and it's a leadership camp where we work with teenagers and basically help them develop that leadership skill as well as try to help them navigate like what they want to do after high school mm. and if they want to go to college or maybe jump into like the career space right away. And I found I had a group of 12 that I would manage. And I found it very interesting that a lot of them didn't know what would be their next steps. And these were like juniors and seniors. And mm. on in the high school, though. Yeah, in high school, right. And in addition to that, they didn't know how to write a cover letter or like like how to like negotiate for a job. There was so much they just did not know. And I went to a high school where, well, my school was mainly, if you're going to drop out, here's what you'll need. So we did a lot of career tech Mm, training programs there. So if you wasn't going to go to college, you already had a fallback of a certificate from either the vocations and you can start working right away. Okay. And so I noticed like these kids, they didn't have that. Like they didn't have like what to do next. They were so focused on supporting their family, uh, making sure like their family's okay and making sure that they're okay mentally yeah. before even thinking like in the future. And so that drew into a passion for me of like helping kids understand like to start mapping out what you want to do after school because it is an up and down road right i like to think of like career development takes about like 15 years after college Mm -hmm. because (laughs) you just don't know and so like that drew my passion of that and then i started working at an elementary school in boston and I just didn't like how the kids were being taught, like also being treated as well. And like they were just pushing kids along, even if they didn't understand the material. And I felt like teachers were really burnt out and they weren't given like the necessary resources to support their class. And so that drove me to to go back to school for grad school for social work um, Mm. and hopefully get in the school system as a school social worker to like not only help the students navigate, but also the teachers navigate of how to work with students. Yeah. And so, yeah, ever since then, I haven't looked back. I've, every time I'm in some type of educational space, I've learned something different yeah. that I want to add to my bucket to like help solve. Yeah, and it's been great. That's awesome. I totally think that like being in an educational environment is the opportunity to learn something new every day, kind of like you're mm-hmm. saying, because if you go into A school and you go to, into B school, you're going to immediately see the differences. It's, it's very palpable and it can either, it can either be the attitude of the teachers, the attitude attitude of the the support staff, the attitude of the kids, the curriculum, all of those things like really do play a role in the like outcomes, which I feel like a lot of education is focused on outcomes, whether it's like the number of kids you push through or the Mm -hmm. number of students that you have in the classroom that day. There's so many different like metrics that are all tied into how much money essentially the school gets which also determines the outcomes it's so interesting to to really dissect all of the factors that go into education and 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 really being like one person is so hard to be like i think i want to make all the change i want to make the change here it's it's hard for one person to sometimes because of how rigid the structure is sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I don't know. Like, I like to think that there's other people in the building that want to rally up and actually do it, but they get burnt out so quickly Yeah, that it's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this right now because it's not going to change. Yeah. So, yeah, no, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's and that's that's not to say it's it's dull or boring or anything of, yeah. that, of that sort. It's It's to say that it's almost an uphill battle and it takes the it takes the energy of i think people with the mind for change and especially people that want to see inequities like change you know i think a lot of people find the passion for teaching and Mm -hmm. uh, coming from a poor like education experience and that 
whatever that means is so variable also maybe it's yeah. maybe it's you didn't like one way that math was taught or something like that and so then i know some people that go back to be math teachers because they're like i had a bad math teacher and yeah. i just liked math and i wanted to learn it in my way and now i'm teaching it to students like in a way that i think is more beneficial mm-hmm. and that's like really cool to have kind of that wraparound experience where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I didn't like it. And so now I'm going to go change it for other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And let's just hope that that salary count matches it too, which is a Ooh. big one. Exactly. We'll talk about, I want to talk about that also, but mm-hmm. let's kind of talk about your experience of working within Tulsa. Because I am uh, stepping into kind of a new role as the alumni experience manager, mm-hmm. and you are one of my alumni that I get yeah. to talk to. So kind of What was your experience working within Tulsa in the job seeking process? Yeah, for sure. I honestly didn't know. So it's so funny. So Donna reached out to me um, via LinkedIn and I didn't know what in Tulsa was at the time. And so I was telling her, oh, yeah, I am looking for a new job opportunity. And we had a conversation about like what I'm passionate about and what I'm looking to move into moving forward. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can tell you X, Y, and Z. And so it was, I think about five or three months that passed that I forgot about it. And I really was actually looking for a job at this point. Mm -hmm. And I heard about in Tulsa. And so I was like, oh, it's just another search engine to post jobs. And so I applied for a job and Donna immediately reached out and she was like, hey, I think this position would be great for you. I was like, oh, I just applied for that one. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I just remember our conversation for from five months ago. And I was just more impressed that she remembered me that I was like, oh, okay, you're really rooting for me. So she was like, yeah, I'll just push it over to the manager for you. And I was like, okay, thank you. So that whole process caught me off guard because like, how do you remember? Like she still had my resume and everything. And the follow up too. I thought the follow up was great. I think she was thinking like, maybe she doesn't know like this is actually a thing. Let me just call her. And so I was like, this is kind of weird. I didn't know that this happened. And she was like, yeah, we're in Tulsa. I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I didn't know. So she informed me like what you all are doing, which is fantastic. Like, I always talk about Donna whenever people are looking for a job. I was like, she's great. Like, just talk to her and she'll help you find a job really quick. And so I love that. I think in Tulsa has been really good to me. And I know for others as well that I've met who've gone through the process of meeting with the coach and helping that job search. Awesome. That's a, It's so good to hear kind of this, the candidate experience for sure, because it really is what we're all working mm-hmm. to, to yeah. kind of manicure and make sure that it's it's a smooth process. And you know, we're lucky to have recruiters like Donna and, and talent partners uh, that w- so many people have those experiences with them. Mm-hmm. Like they, mm-hmm. they called me, they let me know that they were excited for me doing this. They, yeah. they, let, they followed up. And that really is, I I, I kind of don't like how novel ex- that experience is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because the job seeking process is oftentimes demoralizing and oftentimes no one's congratulating you on any right. small victories. <laughs> right, for sure. I feel like people are so drained out when they're looking for a job mm-hmm. or even like helping. Well, in my experience, so I used to work for organization that's career focused and as well, like we would help people find jobs. And you had so many people that you're helping that you forget mm-hmm. to like call back and say like, hey, I saw that you got this, yeah. this placement. How do you feel? And the fact that she remembered, like I said, like if this was like a six to five month gap to be like, hey, this would be a good fit. And yeah. like she reached out again to say like, hey, I heard you got the job. And she sent me a box of treats. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. Like, I didn't even know this existed for real in the world. I love it. That's so good. That's so good to hear. It, it definitely makes me feel like, yes, I'm do- we're doing the right stuff. Yeah, and I, and, I, sure. and I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. Kind of talking more about like industries and, you know, what I like to th- at least inform people about with the job seeking process 
you're kind of taking inventory of like your skills and yeah. and how you can provide yourself as an asset to a company. And so mm-hmm. what do you think some of the skills that you gained in your previous education experience, how were they kind of applicable to a more tech focused role that you now have? Mm, that's a good question. I would think just being detail oriented, I've learned like being in the tech world because you're not really interfacing with people every day, like real humans yeah. every day. The amount of detail that you have to be able to express either like in an email or Slack is really important. And I think learning how to juggle multiple projects that are happening simultaneously, whether you know it or not, online is very important. And I think the skill set that I picked up from my previous role is that like how to multitask and also being very detail oriented whenever you're sharing information, because like I said, like people you don't see people on face to face so that amount of detail is very important and the things that you're sending out will be helpful for them to actually make it run smooth yeah that's that's a really good point i think the details are sometimes scary for some people yeah it's so hard because i do think that our like personal lives are sometimes really hard practicing grounds for details like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ambiguity in like how you execute something simple like doing the dishes or like, yeah. you know, telling your roommate that you're going to come home at so, uh, some time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like those aren't. And like you're saying, with it takes a lot of very precise communication also in, in the tech world because yeah. the only thing that we have is our technologies to connect to each other, like right. Slack or email or whatever. Some of our team is is remote. Like right. it's it really does take getting your ducks in a row and um, working or flexing that muscle and kind of refining that in a professional space can be a little scary, but that's really where you can refine it because there's a little bit of pressure that kind of makes diamonds in a way. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that's something I'm learning like in this mm-hmm. current role because I'm not very detail oriented. I am like, like I said, in vo- vocalizing it versus like written because I'm like, we just sat in this meeting together. You should know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So now it's like we're in a virtual space. Like so many things can happen in between. Yeah. Maybe your Zoom can go out, like your audio is not working. So you have to be detail oriented so the other person could do their job well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm learning that. So yeah. I did pick it up from my previous little role, but it's more like strengthening that muscle and that skill set. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes intentionality behind yeah. it too. You know, it can be it can be kind of wrapped into your daily responsibilities, but I like to at least with some of the things that I do at my job is like think about how I'm going to execute it from point A all the way to Z. Yeah. And that like takes me understanding what G might be, even mm-hmm. though I don't I'm not even at like E. <laughs> I, right. I use all these letters all the time in all my examples. <laughs> but I really do think that it's kind of it's hard to understand sometimes full visions. And I think that when you're working on these skills, like it makes you understand that even if you don't know what those, you know, what, uh, what other letters are, once you get to that point, it'll be like, okay, this all does make sense. Yeah. 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 For sure. Kind of like a map, Arla. some tre- like, you know, searching for treasure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So kind of, more broadly, what do you and what and how do you think technology and education are growing together as industries? I think something I want to ground this conversation in a little bit is whenever I, I think I've talked about this on an episode before, but I like to think of the tech industry mostly in like a Venn diagram form where there's tech over here on the left and then there's insert any type of industry on the right yeah. side. Mm-hmm. And so that overlap is really you know, the tech is able to enable like the solutions or the problems of 
traditional education or non-tech enabled education mm-hmm. systems to you can solve those problems yeah um, so how do you think I don't know if, if you have any response to yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. rambling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think the pandemic, although it was very tough for a lot of people, have opened up a window for educators, district leaders to see like how powerful tech can be for students. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about those students who are not able to come to school because of like maybe transportation issues or like family dynamic issues. Yeah. And they're able to receive like the education they need online and at a well, where we work is self-paced, but in at a pace and where they can keep and also continue on whatever they need to do. Yeah. I do think in the future, and maybe I'm just knocking on a door that may not happen, but I'm optimistic mm-hmm. that we won't have classrooms anymore. Our classrooms would be a virtual space where we can then have students out in the workspace to then observe what does it look like to be like mm-hmm. a full-time employee, but also you're learning at the same time. So kind of like what they're doing at the incubator, like with 36 Degrees North, like this is an open workspace. I think I can see the future moving that way for students because they've seen so much success of like how, well, I don't know about Tulsa, but (laughs) in Boston, like how much tech has been very powerful and instrumental during this pandemic to help students get what they need and also uh, fill that gap of like timing of not being able to be at school physically, but you're there virtually. Yeah, I think that I, I mean, I have lots of opinions on this, so I'm going to try to not talk (laughs) as long as you, as long as you did. But I think that technology and education, like, really do have the the power to bridge a lot of gaps in terms of equity. Like we were talking about transportation is a great, is, is a great conversation to have because it really is dependent on where you live yeah, and where you have access to education. Mm -hmm. I think that it's very I, I took an education so- sociology class like my last year of Dartmouth was one of my favorite classes. And we talked a lot about like the policies of like a magnet school and what it what it means to live in a city where you go to your neighborhood school and what it's like to get to a maybe higher achieving school mm-hmm. in that process. And Tulsa is a, a good example of that yeah. because that was my experience as growing up here. And there was this high school that I could have gone to because I went there for middle school and they had a high school and it was in my neighborhood, but I wanted to go to my alma mater, which I, I'm very proud to say that Booker <laughs> T, uh, yeah. that was a magnet school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that I was guaranteed to get into because of where I lived. Mm. And I think that it's so, I can look in retrospect now and say, wow, like my life would have been completely different if I had gone to a different high school Mm. um, and had different access to Mm. resources. I did the, I was able to do the international baccalaureate program at Booker T and Mm. that's something that gave me a a worldly view of of certain things. It kind of contextualized like our education as something that is like an international standard. And I was like, that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that awesome. we could do that in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it just made me see a world outside of it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's one thing I really like about education is that it's such an eye-opener for, I think, just other people's experiences. That's kind of a very blanket statement, but yeah. at least the type of learning that I was really interested in was more social sciences and kind of understanding cultures and, and mm-hmm. people. Because I, I think that that really informs all of the other things that we end up doing, like yeah. the, the science, the technology, and all of that stuff. It all starts with culture. It all starts with people. It all starts yeah. with the way that we interact with each other and also with the systems of society in a way. And that's all to say that I think that, you know, we're all, I think that there is a 
lifetime of education for everyone. Like you spend your entire life learning. Yeah. And so for there to be innovation in this space is so, it's so needed. It's yeah. so, it seems easy. It seems like what we need, what we have needed to be doing for a long time. And a lot of people have been doing, but mm -hmm. let's use it for the right things. Right, right, <laughs> for sure. And which I would say Tulsa is very, um, uh, famous for that in terms of like innovators i've met, never met so many innovators in my life um, yeah. <laughs> since moving here but i love that and i i want that to also be in the education space because yeah. i think i think we can have a pretty honest conversation about what education is like in the state um mm -hmm. and it's you know not good the numbers yeah. are not good we don't have yeah. a lot of funding mm -hmm. um and i think that what that means is that there's a lot of space for change. Yeah. And I think that you can look at certain organizations in the city. You can look at certain people even. It gets down to the individuals that are really championing like, we want to bridge this gap of equity. We want this school to not be under-resourced anymore because mm -hmm. it's it's proving to be this. It, yeah. it, the students are all having these common experiences um, and how can we meet them in some way, shape, or form with supportive services? Mm -hmm. What can we do with like a Google Classroom where like, how can we expose them to technology? And maybe that is like something that yeah. um, can change an outcome. I, I just, I have a lot of things to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I It could be like an ongoing debate, but I'm not going <laughs> to step into that. But for sure, I think there's a lot of room to grow in education, particularly here in Tulsa. Um, but yeah, I agree. I also think the tech space can create... Um, community around like different states as well i think if education would be i think if we use education as like a tool to create um community and development yeah. that could also be another powerful tool as well for students to see like what does it look like outside of my norm um and that the space can be different in other places 100 percent. and i i just want to encourage anyone listening that like you know we're we're talking or maybe we're talking pretty broadly about education but like i do think about learning as like you have a k through 12 experience and mm -hmm. then you might have some type of post um high school experience but there's not all education is in an institution like yeah in the classroom yeah. Yeah, yeah um there's so many opportunities to learn either through like a boot camp where you're learning mm -hmm. specific skills there's lots of ways to figure out um your learning style too yeah. and i think that those are since we we're talking about previously about candidate experience and kind of the job seeking process these are things that um, might be helpful to have on your radar, um, yeah. you know, trying to figure out what interests you. I think that mm -hmm. I'm, I've been interfacing with a lot of uh, people that are either my age or younger. And it's it's interesting to find that a lot of people, even and myself included in this, are like, I don't know what I want to do, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is like scary a little bit. But yeah. also like we get to enjoy this ambiguity in a way. And mm -hmm. so I like to. I think it might be a little clear, but I, I'm really interested in this space and I could see myself um, pursuing something with education. I think that it's such an important tool. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and just to give you some encouragement, I love giving people encouragement. <laughs> I say career explorations to stop around like 30, 40 years old. Mm -hmm. So don't feel bad if you're still trying to figure it out. Please do. Yeah. I think we need a lot of people to be more confident in like their personality and their skill set as they get older versus now like in their mm -hmm. 20s and 30s um because i think you'll just bring so much dynamic to your workspace and passion uh -huh. to your role when you know exactly like this is what i'm supposed to do so yes uh -huh. fully encourage explore
try and new positions. Try it out. Yeah. yeah. Tr- trying is like something, there, there's a beauty in it. <laughs> yeah, there is. Absolutely. There's and some I, humility too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that for sure. I know I got humbled a couple of times, but um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I wish they would like promote volunteerism in school more. Yeah, um, Not just to volunteer to volunteer, but volunteer to learn like your skill set and like yeah. what you're good at and like how to adapt your personalities in certain spaces. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think that's important to learn in school. One hundred percent. This this kind of is a great segue into kind of uh, something else I want to talk to you about, and, mm-hmm. which is your involvement in the Thai Press organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I am the leader of leadership and service. Um, so Thai Pros has two um, leadership with the crew. So it's either a leader and a co-crew leader. So my co-crew leader, Edwin, I'm not sure if he's listening, but hey. Hey. Um, (laughs) We together plan events around leadership and service for young professionals to either work with development. Um, So we do a lot of volunteer and as well as skill building. So we just had a recent um, event called Financial Workshop. And so helping young professionals knowing how to manage money and the importance of like retirement and like how to buy uh, a house or whatever like a big ticket item mm-hmm. and so next month that actually yeah next month in april we're doing share the mic in five with helping people with professional development as well as like speaking in front of people so sharing five minutes on the mic so we do a lot of events like that um and type rules in general um each crew has like their own target of what they like to target for. So this year we really wanted to focus on um that skill building and also like volunteer um since we're kind of getting out of the pandemic i would say yeah no. <laughs> i know <laughs> maybe two more years yeah. um yeah so let's have people get out and explore the community explore like the resources that are around here um i know when i first got here i didn't know there was a lot of volunteer opportunity here so we we're creating that space for people by finding the organizations that we can plug into that's awesome i i think uh i volunteered a couple of times through typros um at like a voter registration drive oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i also was at the uh, the fairgrounds standing at the democratic table uh, nice. during the fairgrounds, which very interesting experience. Yeah. That we can talk about <laughs> afterwards off mic. Um, yeah. But really, I think the the point I wanted to make with bringing those stories up is that um, I I think that those experiences were really challenging me to serve in a way that I didn't know I mm-hmm. was even comfortable doing, which is mm-hmm. kind of sharing my political beliefs. Mm. Uh, I know I'm, maybe I'm wrapping this around to what we talked about at the beginning. Um, but I think that's an interesting uh, way to serve because it, I don't know, there was something about my undergraduate experience of just being a little bit more in tune with politics. And when you mm-hmm. go out of Oklahoma, it feels like everybody is like a lot more engaged in their local yeah. politics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to like have more candid conversations through the act of service. Mm. Um, like service was the conduit for my connection with these people. Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting. I mean, I was talking to bus drivers at Tulsa Public Schools trying to get them to register to vote. Oh, wow. And uh, it was like interesting. There was obviously the jurisdictional issue for some right. of them. Some of them didn't live in Tulsa County. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love, I I like to think that all of our lives are kind of wrapped up in service in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I think li- we're living in service, um, whether we want to say we are or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think it's sure. cool to kind of be more aware of that and mm-hmm. kind of put some, uh, for me at least, I-, I get some self-gratification out of like what my service can do for other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I like to think of it like that as well, of like I'm feeding into someone else's dream. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because a lot of well, we volunteer for a lot of nonprofits who we all know are struggling on the bus in terms yeah. of like pay. So it's always good to like lend them a hand to say like, hey, we still see you're doing a great job. Um, we want to still buy into your company. So that's another way of not financially giving, but giving up our time. What's a good resource? Yeah. Struggling on the bus. That's yeah, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that Boston sling for you there. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so my last question for you is kind mm-hmm. of more. Let's just have a conversation. There's no right or wrong answer. Okay. We'll just, we'll just, we're just chatting about things um, that we're both mutually interested in. Um, but I think it's an interesting kind of conversation to have, especially in this state and just with the state of education in general. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of, as you may know, a lot of teachers have been leaving their jobs recently. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an interesting phenomenon to kind of dissect why, like, um, why and then how can we fix it mm-hmm. um so i kind of wanted to pose this question to you of like you know what do you think is going on in the classroom that might be making teachers want to leave their job but also is there a way that um the tech industry or the tech and education space ed tech um is kind of solving that problem what is there any i don't know what are your thoughts on this yeah <laughs> for sure i have a lot of thoughts on this awesome. so the first part why do i think teachers are leaving the classroom i think teachers are really burnt out between and not just the pandemic like I think leading up to the pandemic um, I don't know what's going on with kids these days but there's a lot of trauma um, at least of what I've experienced a lot of trauma before the pandemic that students are just having a difficult time of like navigating and also how to express themselves and they bring it into the classroom space where I feel like teachers are having a hard time a hard time of like how to one, teach a class, but also meet an emotional need that students are missing, yeah. right? So there's that factor. And I think the pandemic just put an extra icing on that cake for teachers, yeah. where um, now you're dealing with students who have emotional trauma, but now it's like trying to reacclimate them back into the classroom, teaching them again of how to be students. Yeah. And when we really think about it, I think that that's above their pay grade. So I think teachers are very underfunded. I think we underestimate like their role of a teacher, of them being a teacher, also a confidant, and also like a person they can just um, be there to support their students emotionally and have conversations. Like I know there's school social workers, but there's always places where you might just have one social worker to like a thousand kids. A thousand, and yeah. Um, your teacher is the one you see every day. And so I think that's why teachers are leaving the classrooms. They're burnt out. Um, They're very underfunded, so they're not getting paid their worth. I mean, I think about here in Tulsa, like even if you have, I believe, and I could correct me if I'm wrong, even have your bachelor's degree, you'll still start at like a level one teacher if this is your first time teaching, which I think is crazy. Yes, it is crazy. Um, I will agree with that's you. That's very absurd. And I think <laughs> like that, that's just way out of it. And so I think of, so I work at Bloomboard. And so we are an ed tech company and we work with teachers on professional development. So skills that they feel like they can um, add to the classroom to either make their teaching better or make their students a little bit better. And so one organization, um, I believe Van Meters in Ohio, um, maybe you can research and get that if you want 
And they decided to give their teachers a raise. Um, they now start off the starting pay. I think he said it was like 50000 as an incoming teacher. Oh, wow. And I think that's fairly reasonable as an incoming teacher. I'm not sure what like the cost of living um, is over there. But I think that's very reasonable for a first time teacher to start with that pay. And I can see like yeah. the retention happening there versus you have it here where... Um, and not just Tulsa. I think any state that's struggling with education, yes. you have that Lots strong yeah, turnover rate of like teachers leaving the classroom and not enough subs. I think ed tech can um, support in terms of like the educational space of like that online learning. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, I think it's very powerful to have mm. students to know how to navigate using the computer and learning um, on your own and like having your teacher just do that float around of like if you have a question, mm -hmm. please feel free to ask. Yeah, really, there's just some lift from the teachers. Mm -hmm. So definitely uh, in like the physical presence that a teacher has to have and also a little bit the emotional presence that a teacher is required to have. And mm -hmm. obviously we're not, I don't think that you or I are suggesting that teachers need to not have these skills. I think right. it's so helpful to have these skills, mm -hmm. but it is also an aspect or it is also an element of the fact that they're not necessarily being paid to also have these skills yes. while executing the job of a teacher. Yes, absolutely. And I do think some teachers tend to feel guilty, like they can't necessarily reach the student. So it's like, and I see the tug, like mm -hmm. you have to, you have a class, right? You have 20 kids maybe in your classroom and you have like two that are really struggling emotionally or maybe with the uh, curriculum in general. Yeah. Are you going to stay with like the two and make sure they get caught up or are you going to move the class along? And I can see that pull and I can see where the the friction would come of why a teacher would say like, this is just too much for me. Because then you start. To, I mean, I think about my experience when I was working in the school building as a school social worker um, at Waltham High School as an intern. And you have like a caseload of students like you'll have one student who was very motivated and willing to like push forward with anything that's happening but then you have your other two or three that are struggling and not knowing what to do and uh, and I would on constantly go back and forth with like should I spend my time with this one student who very persistent is ready to get out of school or should I spend most of my time helping and calling the other ones who the are ones just that want to learn yeah on yeah. the bus and so I can see that tug and I think if we can relieve that for teachers and get parents involved as well mm -hmm. of like how to behave when you're in school. I think that would help a lot of like the movement in classrooms. And oh yeah. Retaining um, people. There is a great show on the the TV. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about shows anymore just because of like Netflix and stuff. But yeah. there's a great show um, called Abbott Elementary on, uh, I think it's on ABC. Right oh, now. it's um, yeah, yeah. It's on ABC. You all should watch it. I'm, I'm definitely plugging that show because I think that it, is ex it's it was exactly that experience you were just talking about quinta brunson the main the lead was talking to a she's really scared about this upcoming conversation at parent teacher conference night mm -hmm. and it was like all this how to interact with this student's parent because the student was struggling and she's like i don't think that this mom is there for this student and then she got there and the mom's an er nurse and mm -hmm. so it's like really it is it's it goes back to the thing you said at the beginning of like these some of these kids have traumas and i'm not to say that because her mom the student's mom is a er nurse she's got trauma but like she's got a mom that is working a job that requires a mm -hmm. lot out of her and yeah. is so hard to give to a kid mm -hmm. um and so it's, it's just interesting that like a classroom really is this intersection of so many people's lives yeah um and this te a teacher often underpaid often 
you know, undervalued in the grand scheme of things is mm-hmm. having to understand how to interact with so many different types of people in those yeah. intersections. And so mm-hmm. I think that show is a great is a great example of kind of, you know, the, the teacher's perspective. We need to see what these perspectives are like, because I think a lot of people don't know what's going on in the classroom. They really don't. Like, I remember there was this one time there was a kid, he was having a very tough time in school and we called in his parent um, and she was like, well, what is this teacher actually doing when he does this? Um, I'm sorry, he, she's managing like 25 other students. Yeah, in she's the a little busy. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, why can't she stop and do this? Like, no, um, yeah. that's not gonna work. It's, it's so hard. I mean, the, the I think the hard part about even being critical about education is that it's so hard to know who to be critical of. Yeah. Um, because like we've like we've talked about, the teacher experience is so up and down and so sometimes difficult. Then you throw in my mom's a um counselor for career tech people. Okay. And so she kind of has this like role too where she's dealing with students that are either in crisis or just those students that are uh, you know, using her as a resource to help in right. their career planning. So she gets literally the end of ends of the spectrum also. Mm-hmm. And then you have these poor kids that yeah. <laughs> have so many different experiences yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think people should keep in mind, although like education is up and down, at the end of the day, um, and maybe this is just my own utopia that I tell myself, so I'm like, it's all going to turn out okay. <laughs> that... It's okay. Like it is. These kids are going to be fine. Like yeah. do the best that you can and they're going to be okay. Like even though yes, you may have one or two kids who are struggling or maybe the whole school is struggling. I I don't know, I'm just a strong believer that it's it all it's all going to come full circle at one point. And if we do the best that we can now, we don't feel as guilty or like, you know. It'll yeah. it'll contribute to positive change. Yeah, it will. It definitely will. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Naomi, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's what you get when you put passionate people about education together. Exactly. And I think that really everyone or like is um, capable of having the right to be passionate about education because we all experience it. Yeah. That's like uh, it's a universal experience that. You know, everyone's going to have a story. Everyone's going to have their experience. And it's all valid because it mm-hmm. all is it, it because everyone's lives are valid. In a way. Right, we right. have this experience that is so that is unique to us and hits us all in different points of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like talking about it. Yeah, me too, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so thank you so much for being on. Is there anything yeah. uh, going on in your world that you'd like to plug or ways that people... Uh, could get connected with you if they want to know more. Yeah, for sure. You can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm just going to plug Type Rose. We do have our Share the Mic in Five event happening April 20th at Holberton School. Um, We already selected our speakers, but definitely keep your eye out for next time. Um, But if you just want to hear great conversation, come on out. 530, April 20th. April 20th. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Naomi, for being on this episode of Grow With Us. Yeah, thank you for having me. For listeners of Grow With Us, I'd like to plug a few resources that might be helpful for you. If you would like to stay in touch with all of our featured jobs and opportunities at Intulsa, then please join our talent network. You can join at talent.intulsa.com. That's talent.intulsa.com. By joining our talent network, you will get access to our newsletter. You can stay up to date with our latest career advice, featured opportunities with Intulsa partner companies, and our placement success stories. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. 
Huge thank you to our editors at Rant9 Production and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us. Thank you.